This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Mindsetters, we have a podcasting OG on the podcast today, Matt Terrio of Epic Real Estate Investing. He is a phenomenal investor who's been doing turnkey, flips, wholesales, everything in between for decades, and is just celebrating 10 years in the podcasting game. What I love about this episode is that with Matt, we start talking about things that he hasn't talked about elsewhere, things that he hasn't been sharing with some other folks. So if you've loved Matt Terrio's work in Epic Real Estate, you're going to absolutely love this episode. If you've never heard of him, well, you're in for a treat because he has got some really, really big ideas that we can start implementing in our business day one. I won't spoil the fun, so I'm going to encourage you guys to jump into this episode. Um, Make sure you take some notes and decide, what am I going to apply in my business? What am I going to apply in my life today that I took away from this podcast and how can I add value to my own life rather than just being passive, let's be active and make a decision. So if you love the podcast, if you've been listening for a while, make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you're brand new to us, hit that subscribe so you make sure you never miss another episode from us. If you love what we're doing, drop a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app and consider sharing this with a friend. Without further ado, let's jump into the episode. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I am very excited. I have Matt Terrio in the studio today. How you doing, Matt? Very good, Stephen. Thanks for having me. I am excited for this interview because Matt is an entrepreneur, author, success coach, and host of Your Do-Over, a weekly podcast based on inspiring comeback stories that teach people how to start over with ease, speed, and lasting success. And he's also the creator of the Epic Real Estate Investing Podcast, where he focuses on financial education and teaching people how to really get started and financially free in real estate. And that's where I know him from. And uh, are you ready to get into things, Matt? I'm ready. Let's do it. Well, I love to hear that. Well, obviously, you've had a lot of success in your life from most people's definitions, but why don't we start out by taking a look back? What events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? Oh, wow. You know, that's, that's a really good question because uh, I'm probably the only entrepreneur in my whole family. I come from a, a family of, of civil servants, a lot of uh, police officers, and uh, my, my cousin is the youngest battalion chief on the fire department. And Um, everyone just had normal jobs and I don't really know where it came from. I just knew that, uh, working for an hourly wage where I didn't have any potential for making more except waiting for the next annual raise, that just never excited me very much. So I I went into a more commission-based type, uh, employment in my early life. And uh, I just felt like if I work harder, I get paid more. And I think that's probably where the entrepreneurial part started. And that's where the whole mindset started. That's so interesting because I imagine growing up around all these people who are employees, people who have regular jobs, um, you know, working for the fire department is a great example. Um, How do you, how did that affect you? Did, did those people kind of look at you funny when you said, Hey, I'm going to go try to do this on my own or how, Mm. how did that interaction go? Very much so. Uh, The, uh, my first stint as an entrepreneur was in the music business. I was a music producer at a small little record label, uh, but we had major label distribution, did really well for myself. Uh, I had made my million, quote unquote, million before I hit 30 years old. And when the digital download came along, it just kind of turned that whole industry upside down 
I mean, I literally was having a, uh, I went from a seven figure year to $7 an hour in about six months. That's how impactful that, that was to the music industry. And to, to get to your point or your question specifically, I remember when, uh, my grandma to say, how you doing? What are you doing these days? I was like, oh, I'm at the grocery store. I'm, I'm working over there. I'm bagging groceries. I get to check every once in a while. And she goes, oh, good. I'm so glad you finally got a real job. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> so to the mindset, to my, my family, and my grandma specifically, bless her heart, God rest her soul. Uh, she really thought like, okay, at least I have a job. Now I, I, have, I get a paycheck and there's a place to go and it's got a big uh, recognizable name outside on the building. And so... That's how uh, my family thought of being an entrepreneur. And then my, my uncle, who, uh, because I don't have calluses on my hands, uh, he thinks that uh, I don't really make an honest day's wage. And so it, It's so interesting because it, it's just such a telling tale for, for everyone, for all the listeners here, that you know, everyone's got a different view. Everyone's got a different lens that they're looking at the world through. And in your grandma's view, as she was saying there, you were making way more money when you were doing things on your own. It's fractions. It's like almost not even worth Mm -hmm. going to work. But obviously it was because it was part of your recreation story. But the, the fact that she felt more secure for you in that role is so telling. And, and how, how do you recommend people break through that? If they come from that place where their family is telling them these things, they've believed those, how do you start creating different, different ways of thinking to you know, go and be an entrepreneur? Well, I think first thing you need is the exposure to even know you should be thinking differently. Because if you don't know any different, then how do you know you're supposed to learn something else, right? So I think it was a few incidences or chance encounters with people that were doing really well for themselves. And what they were doing was nowhere in no way resembled what I was doing. And so I think you have to have at least a little bit of an eye-opening experience to, to shift your mindset, to even look for something else or look how to do something else. But then from once you had that awakening, I think there's just so much value in um, personal development and self-education is Jim Rohn's famous quote, uh, traditional educational make make you a living and then personal uh, education or self-education that can make you rich. And I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of truth to that. And uh, there's another part of that where there's a reason they call graduation commencement. I mean, yeah, everyone thinks it's the end of their learning, right? And now they're going to mm-hmm. begin life. No, it's really the beginning of learning. And I think if uh, you make those investments into yourself as far as uh, what you listen to and what you watch, and what you pay attention to, um, yeah, the sky's the limit. And I think that's how you can become a very successful entrepreneur. It's such a big idea because it's those little things that go into your head over and over again that start adding up and telling you whether this is a great idea or this is the dumbest idea ever. But, you know, sometimes you just need that little virus to get in your head to say, you know, I can no longer live <laughs> this old, mm-hmm. the quote unquote normal life anymore. I've got to go this other path. Yeah. And another thing to that is what just occurred to me because I've never had these conversations before about what we're talking about right now. So this is interesting, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on my third, third marriage and my first two, we had a real conflict on how money should be managed and how money should be made. And, uh, so there was the mindset definitely interfered in those two marriages as well. Yeah. I could totally see that. Those are two different value perspectives coming together. And if they don't, if you can't find a way to bridge them, then you're just going to be rubbing into each other. and It's not really going to work. Exactly. So, 
So tell us a little bit about what your primary focus is today as an investor and what it is that you're out there doing in the world. I know you're, you're involved in so many things. You've been in this industry for so long, but I'd love to share with listeners where your current primary focus is. Sure. I mean, I'm born and raised in Southern California. I'm fifth generation actually from Southern California. So I got started as a real estate agent in uh, Long Beach and Sunset Beach, which we discovered that recently, that we had that in yeah. common. Um, and I became an investor after about four years of being an agent when I decided that uh, if all the money's in real estate, I think I'm just sitting on the wrong side of the desk. So I had to make that, that shift and actually become the client rather than, than the service provider that a real estate agent is. And so I got started at a really good time where well, a lot of people thought it was a bad time, but it was when the, the market crashed, right? And there was all these different types of opportunities that never existed before. So I got really deep into short sales. We'd flipped probably 60 short sales in one year and did really well. And then when the market started to recover, it got more and more, more difficult to find deals. And so I went out of state and was working in like nine, 10 different states, still am. But uh, just moved to Las Vegas. So it's a long answer to your, to your really short, simple question. I am in Las Vegas now for about five months and I am back on it and I'm in a market where I can create some opportunity for myself. And, and I'm really focused. I've always just been really focused on buy and hold. I know wholesaling has been such the hot thing that, uh, and the big buzzword. But uh, wholesale is like, to me, I wholesale when nothing else works. Because I really understand the wealth creation of holding property brings and what that promises. And it hasn't, uh, hasn't failed me yet. And so I really just focus on, on acquiring as much rental properties as I possibly can. That's where my focus is. Yeah. I mean, going down the rental path is such a smart path. And it's ironic because so many of us as real estate investors and operators, that's the reason we got into the game. That's the reason we got into it. And then I know for myself, you know, doing, you know, I've done 200 deals now in the last three years. I only own a couple properties. And the whole reason I got into it was to own property. And I don't know if it's because of the market cycle that we're in or what, but it's really easy to get pulled in this direction of quick capital today versus the long-term view. What shifted your view on that and, and why are you going this direction now? Well, it's always been my direction. Um, mm -hmm. And there's this little, little book, you've probably never heard of it, called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Sure. And yeah. uh, you've heard of this one? Okay, gosh, so few <laughs> people have. Um, no, it's, it, I think the big shift was when I was in the music business, I was focused on the next release of the month to make that big giant pile of cash. And when the, that industry changed and I was unable to do that, I was out on my butt, right? And I had to go and, and do a, a menial thing at the age of 34, like bagging groceries, working with high school kids for their first job. And I'm like, shoot, I was like double their age at the time. And so when I went, the book really just, I mean, it taught me the idea of passive income, right? And I mean, I speak English. I can take the word passive. I can take the word income. I can put them together and kind of figure out what it is. But the way that that book just kind of said, you know what, the, the goal to get out of the rat race, as he put it, was to get your passive income, your monthly passive income to exceed your monthly expenses. And he said something very clear, very succinct in there, very distinct, was you might not be wealthy right at the beginning, but you'll at least be free. And this hit me at a time in my life where I was a slave, 
right? I had to have that $7 an hour job. I was very, very far from free. So I think that message at that time resonated with me in a very different way than maybe most people. So I've never forgotten that. And that was such a painful experience in my life and such a low point. I was like, I'm never going back. And so it's always been about owning rentals for me. And wholesaling has always been an afterthought. That's, I, I wholesale properties when nothing else works, right? So that's, that's always been my focus. And gosh, here I am. Thank God I you know, got almost, she'll probably getting close back to 60 properties now. And I've got uh, uh, about 45, 50 notes. So, and all produce a monthly residual income. I don't care what the market does. I am not afraid of market shift at all because I've got such, I'm positioned so well in my whole portfolio that my income is not going to, it's not going to be even, not going to be a blip, right? It's such, it's such a good reminder because, because having, having that security for you makes, makes you know, almost without a doubt that you're not going to ever have to go back. You're not going to have to go back to that place. You've developed these skills, but not only that, you've developed and hold on to assets that are actually generating you the kind of income that you really truly need. Yeah. And it all just comes from, I guess what you just said, like, I'll never have to go back. There's a, I'm going to make darn sure I never have to go back. And so I think a fear of that is, has really driven me and been able to, I guess, fuel and produce so what I've been able to produce. So, so many people after losing it all, you know, filing bankruptcy, having to completely change industries and you're working, you know, making $7 an hour begging groceries. So many people would have just said, man, I, I'm just going to go back. I'm going to get a, a different type of job. I'm going to go and work in a corporate secure environment. How did you break out of that? How did you make sure that that wasn't going to be the case for yourself and you weren't going to stay down? You were going to get back up again. And, and fight again? You know, there was a day, there was a specific day at that grocery store where they were short checkers. So I got promoted for the day from bagger to checker. And as I was scanning this one lady's groceries, and if you, if you have an idea or a mental image of what a soccer mom looks like, a wealthy soccer mom, I mean, she was right from Hollywood casting, she had been perfect. She had the, the little dual side-by-side baby stroller. She had, uh, she was in her little tennis outfit. Like she just came from her tennis uh, lesson and she was on the cell phone and she was multitasking and not paying any attention. And when it came time for me to, to give her her or time to, for her to pay for her groceries, um, she opens up her wallet and out of her wallet fell her ATM receipt. And I couldn't help but sneak a glance and I looked at that receipt and it was $265,000 was her balance. And that was a very significant number for me because when I was in the music business, just maybe thriving eight, nine months before I, that very day, um, anytime I hit 250 in my bank account, that signaled uh, that it was time to make a transfer. And I realized, wow, it's been eight, nine months since I've seen that in my bank account. And if I continue to do what I'm doing right now, I will never, ever see it again. Nice. So that was the big shift because I was there. I was, I mean, I was there for like six months and I was like, had to wake up. I was like, God, if I don't do something else, this is it for me. And I'm never going to see that again. So that was uh, that was the big moment where I was like, okay, 
dust yourself off, get back up and try again. What an incredible reminder to yourself that if I keep going down the same path that I'm on, I'm definitely never going to live the life that I had been living or yet reach above and beyond it, which were probably the dreams that you had when everything did sink. So I'm, I'm grateful for you for sharing that story with us because it's one that a lot of people would want to hide from. But instead, it's mm-hmm. actually the formation story of why you became this incredibly successful investor and now coach for all these other mm-hmm. people to be able to fall in your footsteps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just the, if it's to be, it's up to me, right? And uh, that's exactly what uh, I was thinking at that very moment, that no one was coming to save me. No one was going to come protect me. No one was going to do it for me. There was no shortage of shoulders to cry on. Everybody would listen. But when it came down to it, it was like, oh, poor Matt, you'll end, you'll, you'll get back up on your feet. But no, no advice, no guidance, no instruction on how it might happen. So you had to go figure it out yourself. So now you're in a place where you're helping hundreds, if not thousands of people get into this game, start building that financial freedom for themselves. What are some of the biggest challenges some of your clients, some of your coaching students deal with and how have they overcome those? Because I'm sure a lot of our listeners are facing some of the same. Some of the biggest challenges, I think one challenge that comes to mind immediately is people come to me with coming from corporate America mostly, and they, they've got a good paying job. They're just kind of unfulfilled in what they're doing and they kind of see the future as to this is probably not going to turn out the way I think it's going to turn out or the math doesn't look like it's going to pan out. And so they come to me to, to whether they're going to start real estate investing on the side or their eventual plan is to turn it into a full-time gig. I think the biggest challenge a lot of them have, having never been an entrepreneur before, is making this transition from an employee mindset to an entrepreneur mindset. Mm. Two totally different things. Because this sounds really, really glamorous and exciting to become your own boss, mm-hmm. which is a, an expression that we've heard frequently over the last, for the last years. You want to become your own boss, be your own boss. You want to be in charge. You want to call the shots. But, and so people make that transition because it sounds really good. But I think what they fail to realize is when they make that transition, especially in the beginning, they also have to become their own employee. And so they got to actually work and holding themselves accountable to work for themselves is very different than being held accountable by a boss to work for them. And I think that's a big challenge for a lot of people. And most of them will, if they stick with it long enough, they'll figure it out. They have no choice to, because it'll get kind of painful if they don't. But um, I think that's the, the big transition people underestimate. It's such a true, it's such a big, big true statement because, you know, so many people that I talk to, they say, hey, I'm so excited about going off and doing my own thing. And then I talk to them a little bit later and they haven't done any of it. They haven't made that progress. They know what to do, but they're not doing it. And so how do you recommend people overcome that? Well, don't quit your day job until that side hustle is producing enough income to replace your day job's income. Mm -hmm. I I really think that's, uh, and you can totally do it, but people just don't want to do it. They want to quit far too soon and they want to quit way too early. And, uh, I think, uh, produce some results, produce some success, produce some consistent results and success with the side gig before you actually uh, make that leap. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's so very true. 
I mean, I took a very different path, but I had a different mindset going into it. And I was in a place similar to you where I, I didn't have nothing, but I didn't have a lot to lose. And for a lot of people, they have a lot to lose. And that stress that builds on you, if you're not actually producing, it's hard to handle when you have other people that are relying on you versus just, you know, you taking care of yourself. Yeah, totally. And that can be a whole other stress by itself. Sometimes, uh, you know, wholesaling or real estate investing, sometimes it gets a bad rap. People start thinking, oh, well, what you're doing is, is harmful, or maybe you can't actually get the results that you're talking about. Why do you think people believe that? And how do you overcome that if you're, if you're going out there and trying to raise money or, you know, you're talking to different homeowners and things like that? Um, well, no one that's, I, I think you should be paying attention to people that are doing it and people that are successful doing it. Um, having been, had a podcast, we just passed our 10 year anniversary and having a, an internet presence. Um, you get trolled a lot. You get a lot of comments, you get a lot of haters. And I can, I can promise you that no one that's ever trolled me or hated on me is more successful than I am. Mm-hmm. So my, my point being is, and, and you, you've given a lot of credit of, of your success to modeling as well, mm-hmm. is I think the way you get past that is be very intentional about creating your environment. Be very intentional about who you spend your time with um, and look for the doers, right? A lot of talkers out there, but look for the doers who are actually doing it. And it's kind of like this, you know, we, we all remember back in high school where we did something stupid just because somebody else was doing it. We call that peer pressure, right? And uh, we've all been there at some, to some degree. Uh, but that peer pressure can work for good as well if you get around people doing good things. It just happens. We, as human beings, we just have a tendency to want to assimilate. And if you're hanging around the right people doing the right things, you naturally will assimilate and it'll start to happen for you. You'll feel guilty if it doesn't. You'll feel like you're the outsider. You'll feel like you don't belong. So your internal wiring is just going to be compelled to perform. So I think that's a a really good shortcut is just to be really intentional about creating your environment. Yeah. Surround yourself with the kind of people you want to be like, and you're going to start following in their footsteps. So, and ignore the other, ignore the others and ignore the haters. You're always going to have those haters. It's, it's hard to sometimes, but it's such good advice. So why do you think you've succeeded in industry where so many others have failed or not even gotten started? Hmm. You know, I, I look at that when I first made that huge investment in my own real estate education. And uh, you, we went to a, a, a central location, people from all over the country. And there was just a hallway in the, a giant hotel. And each room had a, was teaching on a different subject. And each room had anywhere from 200 to 300 people in every single room. And so you look at, so you got 300 people in a room learning about creative acquisition strategies, hearing it from the same person with the same workbook, with the same resources. I mean, in the exact same time in history and a very small percentage of people will actually go out and do something with it. And everybody had the exact same information and the information is proven. They wouldn't be teaching stuff that doesn't work. That would be a really bad business model. So the only variable is the actual human themselves, right? Uh-huh. 
you, uh, if you have the right information and that information is proven to, to create success, then what you got there in the middle is the person to connect the two. So it's, I wish I knew, because you know what? I, I can teach everybody that's listening right now how to fill out a perfect purchase agreement in about 15 minutes. But why you don't get up and, and write one every single day, you know, that has more to do with the, the six inches of real estate between your own two ears than it does the real estate that you're trying to buy and how difficult your market might be. And uh, I think people just have to, you know, Tony Robbins says we're all motivated by either a, a, a desire for pleasure or a fear of pain. And I think, uh, sadly, I think most people are, are motivated by pain and they just haven't felt it enough yet to, to, to do enough about it to make a difference. I think that's so true. And I mean, that's really why we do what we do here at the Investor Mindset. And, and, and it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to make personal change, but it's, not, it's, it's very doable and it can happen very quickly if you're in the right environment, if you're surrounded with the right people. But it takes having those right thoughts and beliefs to actually take that action. So for everyone listening here, if you feel like you're falling into that, like you're just not, not getting there, don't give up. Just know that you just have to focus on how can you get yourself in alignment so that you can actually start taking these steps and apply some of the stuff that Matt would be teaching. So on a success front, how do you define success and what is success to you? Mm. For me, it is, I, I know I'm being successful when... I had a coach one day, just spent the day with him, Mr. Dean Jackson. And he has these rules and he has, he has five ways that he finishes a sentence. It says, I know I'm being successful when, and fill in blank. And the one that stuck with me that he shared that is, I know I'm being successful when I can wake up in the morning and do whatever I want that day. And, uh, he had like four or five other things that are really good, but that's the one that I just remember. It's one that's at top of mind and that's kind of my definition of success. And at this point along your current journey, do you feel like you're successful with that, with that definition in mind? More times than not. I mean, there's still days where I got to get up and do stuff I don't want to do. Right. Um, but that's just kind of the nature of being an entrepreneur and running a business. And when you have big dreams, uh, it's not, I mean, if we only, to, to be successful, if all we had to do is get up and go to work on the days we felt like it, everybody would be a success, right? But um, yeah, more and more, the, the, that balance is starting to come back in my favor. So for all you listeners out there who feel the same as Matt, just remember this guy's been doing this for a long time. He's extremely successful by many people's definitions, but we all have those times where we're just like, man, I wish it could be a little bit better. So just keep getting back up and doing good things. And Matt, tell me, what are some of your keystone habits, the things that you do on a daily or weekly basis that have helped lead to some of that success in your life? Hmm. See, I know habits is a really popular thing right now. And, and uh, I don't have like rituals or a morning routine like I probably should. Um, I think the habit is, I, and I don't know, it's probably more subconscious than anything but I'm very connected. And it's funny that we've been talking about this today because I haven't really like articulated it in this way, I guess, but I'm very connected with what's the alternative if I don't do what I'm supposed to do today. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I mean, we all know, gosh, if I go and work really hard, I'll be successful and I'll make a lot of money and everything's going to be great. But I think I'm more connected with what if I don't get up and do those things today? 
that's probably what really drives me. So I think the, the, uh, the one habit I have with my assistant, we do this back and forth every day. We go ahead and we, we use Slack to communicate and we um, communicate the five things we're going to get done today. Uh-huh. And so we start our day with that. So that's about as much of a habit as I've got. But as I'm looking at those five things, I'm more focused on what my life could potentially be like if I don't get those done today than all the success I'll have if I do get them done. That's a great question to ask yourself. It kind of puts things in perspective for sure. So, mm-hmm. so tell me here, we've made it to my favorite part of the show, the growth rapid fire round where the questions are quick, but the answers right. don't need to be. But tell me, what's a book that's impacted your life the most or one you're excited about right now? Ooh, the most recent would be Profit First by Michael mm-hmm. Michelowitz. That one is a, uh, that's changed my life. There's three books I've held on to for a very long time. And it's just always been those top three forever. But uh, Mr. Michelowitz made it into my top four. And that's one of the most recent one. I've heard such good things about that, read most of it. And I think it's something that will totally change your business. If you guys haven't read that, definitely check that out. Mm -hmm. So from an inspiration standpoint, we all have a lot of different mentors in our life, but talk to me a little bit about how mentors have impacted yours and how do you recommend or how do you look at going and finding great mentors in your life? Mm. No, mentors are essential. I think uh, I wish they would have taught us about mentors or coaches in our senior year of high school, at least, right? Um, We're all taught that cheating in high school is a bad thing, but uh, you can't copy the person next to you. That's cheating. Uh, But when you get out in the real world, that's actually really good business. And if you can copy somebody that's doing really doing stuff really well, uh, it's a real big shortcut. So find that person for yourself and uh, pursue them and then do what you can to become a value to them first and do it without any expectation as well. Cause it might not be that person that um, uh, reciprocates their mentorship, but I'll tell you that type of practice, it leads to a lot of good stuff and what I like to call miracles, meaning just stuff that's unexpected that you didn't know you wanted or didn't know you needed are going to happen from that type of practice. Mm, that's so powerful. That's so very powerful. And finally, in closing, from a purpose perspective, what drives you to live your best life every day? Hmm. My son, my eight-year-old. Um, there, there was a meme of, oh, several years ago of the lion looking down at the little lion cub. And the little quote had said, uh, today I felt like quitting, but then I remembered who was watching. Mm. So... Uh, it's my son drives me and I just want to be the best example I can for him. I didn't have a dad. So uh, I'll be the best one I can be for him. That's so big. Well, he's such a lucky guy to have you as a father. And we're so lucky to have you here sharing some of your experience over the years. So thank you so much. Where can people find out more about you or get in touch? Yeah. So I guess the easiest place, if you're listening to this right now, you know how to find a podcast. You can check me out over at the Epic Real Estate Investing Podcast. We post uh, seven days a week there and uh, I'll be there tomorrow. Looking, Looking forward to it. Well, I can't wait until we get to hang out again. Thanks so much, Matt. You bet, Steve. Thanks for having me. What an incredible episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed putting it together. And I want to tell you about this incredible program that we're now releasing. We're putting it out live and I want you to be a part of it. 
If you happen to be a high-level real estate investor who's really pushing things to the next level, who want to get the most out of their business, they want to take consistent action on a regular basis and work from a place of clarity so you actually can end up at the outcome that you originally got into this game for. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I know when I got into real estate investing, I had planned on doing this so that I could get passive cash flow. And I got distracted along the way. And I got distracted with things that were incredible and amazing, and I grew like crazy. But sometimes we got to get back to that core. What? are we doing this for and why are we doing this? And there's so many, there's so many things that we're learning in every single episode that we need to start applying in our daily basis every single day. So what I've put together and I've brought together an incredible mindset coach who has been doing this for years and years, has 25,000 hours, previously worked with the Tony Robbins organization and many others, and is going to be delivering and training us. He's agreed to do this in a small group setting. Um, so I know a ton of people are going to be interested and there's very limited spots available. This is not full scarcity. We're only going to take 15 people for the first group. So please make sure you head over to the website, theinvestormindset.com slash action. So you can find out a little bit more and add your name to the wait list so that when we're ready to pull you in, we can start having that conversation and decide if you're a great fit. I know the power of this stuff. I've invested tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars in order to grow myself and my business to the next level. And that's exactly why I'm so grateful that we're going to be bringing this out live and really making a big difference. So join us in this mini mastermind online, this program, and let's help do some incredible things together. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level. Bye.